Stand clear. 100% wild podcast. So for all you listeners, hello and welcome to definitely not your favorite outdoor podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. This is episode number 283, and we are sponsored by DeerCast. All new DeerCast maps, Tim. Man. Trademark. Been using it a lot, especially the rain station and radar. Rain stations, 100%. Yeah, I've been really watching those rain stations. And if I don't kill a deer this year, it's not because of my food plots. <laughs> They're looking really good. There's a lot of things that we can bla- place blame on why we aren't going to kill deer. <laughs> food. It won't be in my them. food plots. <laughs> well, hey, before we bore our in-studio guests, why don't we do a little introduction? That's right. So we got Kevin Wiskirkin from the Missouri Department of Conservation. He's a private lands biologist, been with the department for six years. Mm-hmm. And uh, he and I got to talking about DMAP. That's right. The... Deer Management Assistance Program, exactly. because one of the properties I hunt here in the St. Louis area is lousy with does. Lousy. Yeah, I think the program is one that um, Mark actually was kind of part of the pilot program up in the northern part of Missouri. Yeah, one of the very first years. Yep. Yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty interesting, and I know you mentioned that, that Terry and uh, Forrest, they're looking to get enrolled there at Terry's farm, so it's something that obviously the guys believe in and uh, are looking forward to trying out. Mark's already been a part of it for, I think, maybe two years now. This would be his third, I believe, yeah. Yeah, yep. so so I, I know he's uh, definitely praised the, the whole program and the process, uh, but I'm looking forward to you kind of sharing with our audience, because I, I don't think many people really know about it. Actually, I, I saw maybe a link Oh, probably a month or so back that the MDC put out about it. And I sent it to the farmer on one of my leases. And I'm like, look, since it's not my property, you know, I I can't do anything about this. Mm -hmm. You guys would have to enroll it. But, you know, here's the information because he he complains a lot. He, He leases the ground for farming. I lease the ground for hunting. And he complains about the deer pressure mm-hmm. on the food. And gotcha. I'm like, there's nothing I can do about it. I, you know, there's only so many tags I can get and so many right. deer I can kill. We really need to enroll it into a program like this. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> it, I don't know that he took it and did anything with it. But I'm like, I don't know that a lot of people know about it. And so right. that's why you're here to kind of share some of the details and, mm-hmm. and what it's all exactly. about. Exactly. Yeah. That's a, this would be a great opportunity to get more word out about it. So very excited to dive in. Yeah. How excited? Like on a scale of eight Super. to 10. Uh, yeah, getting up, getting up toward, that's not very wide of a scale, but no, yeah. I did it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, so, I'd give it a 10. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Wow. hundred percent. Yeah, Look right. out. Hot dang. <laughs> okay. So, um, so who, and, 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 and we should probably also caveat this. We realize that some of our friends out there that are watching are hunting in places in the country where if they even see a deer, it's a successful hunt. So there are pockets around the country that are, you know, they're different. And, and, and so we realize that, that there's some kind of unique factors here that the DMAP may not be right for everyone. And right. on top of that, it's a Missouri-based program. This specifically is a Missouri-based program that we'll be talking about. But we'll, we'll maybe also kind of try to dive into some of the other options that are out there, or if there are many other options in other states. But uh, obviously you're proficient in what is here in Missouri and, and what we have to offer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so take us through how does, 
who's the typical person that comes to you seeking help with DMAP and then how does the process play out? Yeah, so, so DMAP is designed really to help landowners address a broad spectrum of deer management goals. And so mm -hmm. it can really be any landowner that, that might be interested as long as their goal uh, necessitates harvesting more antlerless deer than they're able to with the permits already available to them. So a lot of the landowners uh, end up being agricultural producers. So they're, they're seeing a lot of deer in their fields and they know those deer are cutting into their bottom line or, sure. or they're assuming they are. And so, um, you know, they want to harvest more deer to reduce the damage on their crops. Uh, and, and so the program's used pretty heavily by by farmers here in Missouri. Um, but then there's a whole suite of, of landowners that are more uh, rec recreationally managing for deer and wildlife, mm -hmm. um, like the Drury's, um, where they're, they're more interested in just improving the quality of the herd, uh, maybe maximizing that antler growth potential by, yep. by freeing up nutrition for, for the rest of the herd, uh, balancing the buck to doe ratio. Uh, so it, it can be a broad variety of folks that are interested. Um, but in terms of the enrollment process, it kind of it, it depends on what their goal is. So folks that are interested in addressing damage, uh, their point of contact is going to be their local conservation agent. Mm -hmm. uh, our, our conservation agents not only enforce our wildlife regulations, but they help address uh, damage issues occurring on properties. They have some additional tools in their toolbox that they can authorize. Okay. And one of those is, is these DMAP permits to address the damage that they've got on their okay. property. So they would just reach out to the conservation agent, uh, get them to come do a, a quick site visit to look at the crops they're growing, mm -hmm. uh, get, make an assessment of how extensive the damage is, and then they'll they'll uh, determine there with the landowner how many permits they think are, are necessary to bring the damage down. And so uh, during that conversation, is there is there talk on like methods for the landowner? Like what are you going to use to take all these deer out? And do you have a plan? And like kind of walking them through that? Certainly, yeah. So, so they want it to be an, an achievable number. You know, they're not going to authorize... 30,000 yeah, permits. Exactly. If they think it's a, you know, not something that they can realistically achieve or, or not necessary. So yeah, they'll talk through, you know, how many hunters are you planning to have on the property? Mm -hmm. um, how many have you been killing? And, and what do you think is realistic if we up the number of permits that are available to you? Um, and, and these are strictly firearms permits. So in, in, in most of the state um, here in Missouri, uh, uh, over the counter, you can get an unlimited number of archery antlerless mm -hmm. permits. So that that uh, that method is already pretty wide open. But in terms of firearms harvest, um, that's more limited. And so that's what we've broadened up to landowners enrolled in DMAP is that that firearms antlerless okay. opportunity. Now, how is this different from because because currently there's a program out there where farmers can get like nuisance tags, right? Correct. In the, in the early, yeah, in the Correct. early season. So, yeah. how's it different, and how's it managed differently? Yeah. So, so that's been around for a long time. Um, like you said, it's uh, it, it's typically utilized during the summer months. Uh, so, outside of deer season, um, for those landowners that have damage going on, they can mm -hmm. contact their agent, um, and at the agent's discretion, they can they can authorize a landowner to to remove those deer, um, they're not allowed as a landowner, not allowed to utilize it themselves, uh, but but frequently they tr do try to get it to a needy family or something like that. Um, there's, uh, there's no acreage requirement or cost associated with that, but a lot of times that's an underutilized tool or not um, 
not one that folks like to use uh, because it's shooting deer in the summer. Yeah, just... shooting deer in the summer feels weird. Um, it, it's a difficult time if you're a, a farmer to to find time to do it. Mm -hmm. You've got a lot, lot of other things you're trying to do as well, and so uh, that was the reason for DMAP was to have a, an additional tool in in the toolbox that we can author um, authorize as an alternative to the damage authorizations um, to also be effective. So on the DMAP program, do, does the landowner, is it there kind of almost like a burden of proof to showcase the damages or how, how much, you know, how many deer they have on their property? Like, are you looking for trail camera inventory or how do you take a landowner? You know, I look at somebody like Mark and I know, okay, this guy and Terry, they're dialed in on their herds. They have a very great understanding because they live and breathe it. Right. Your, your average guy, how do you take them at face value to, to know that, you know, I could see browse pressure, but how do you know how many deer they actually have, you know, or, yeah. or an inventory? Yeah, to, so to some extent, they do have to sort of justify the need to be in the program. Mm -hmm. uh, again, going back to those properties where it's damage is the main concern. Uh, they're gonna if, if an agent isn't familiar with the property and never been on it before or not that familiar with deer in the area they're gonna want to come and see the browse and uh, and get a sense for how many deer are causing the damage for for properties enrolling for recreational deer management so um, you know balancing the sex ratio um, improving the quality of the herd I do work with those folks to get trail camera photos if they've got trail cams out um, that gives us a really good idea of the sec current sex ratio of the population I can get this is a, a family show Kevin yeah I'm sorry so I watch my language <laughs> the don't, buck to doe ratio um, uh, and, and get a, a good index of abundance and and I need that information because I'm I'm gonna make a harvest recommendation to those landowners based on the information they provide I want it to be uh, an appropriate recommendation and that's the number of permits all authorized so it's got to be based on some information and, and trail cameras often are the the best way to get that then what's the follow-up once you get into the firearm season and just you know they get say they they get enrolled you issue 10 extra tags firearm tags mm -hmm. what is the process the follow-up process after the season or after the firearm season or once is it when they harvest one they gotta report it obviously you gotta i assume report it into yeah, is it the app, the Missouri app? Or you can use you? the app. So the DMAP mm -hmm. permits work the same as any of our other tags. That's cool. Uh, so there's the same reporting requirements. So, you know, by by t 10 p.m., uh, they've got to have checked it in uh, through the app or, or calling it in on the on the phone. So th those work the same way. But then at the end of the season, do you go back through and and review each? program or each farm and in that specific hey you had t 10 tags issued how do you do you know? I, I do i do um so it, it certainly factors in you know when it comes to the next year um and they're maybe looking to enroll again we'll have a conversation mm -hmm. about you know you, get, you did really good filled all your permits i mean do you think that that was enough and do you think you've you know achieved your goal or do sure. you need to re-enroll and, and should we think about maybe bumping up the number a little bit or you know you didn't get around to filling any or very few and maybe what were the reasons for that you know did it turn out that the other permits you had available were were sufficient and really mm -hmm. didn't need the dmap tags so. uh, how long does the process start by the you know from the time someone contacts you to the time where they actually have tags yeah so it can be it can be really quick um i'll, I'll say the enrollment period we we start it really early in the year mm -hmm. uh, may 15 is the opening of our enrollment period it goes through october 1st okay. so it depends when they con contact me um you know the tags aren't made available until october 15. so i've got all the 
all the information in hand. <laughs> that was my bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, all the information in hand uh, by October 1, and then within 15 days after that, they, they can go buy their permits. So, but it depends what information they come to me with. Um, you know, if I yeah, can't stop getting yeah. to yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to keep. It was such a non sequitur <laughs> to it. No, no bearing on anything. I thought it slipped. Yeah, yeah. At least it wasn't a, to the guy behind the curtain. <laughs> like a like a fart sound effect <laughs> just during one of Kevin's pauses. Yeah. <laughs> He's really nervous. Yeah. Sorry, Kevin. So, keep no, going. that's all, that's right. I know, should have let it go too. Yes. Yeah, so, so some properties that come to us, uh, landowners that come to us for the first time, they they've been keeping mm -hmm. track of deer sightings. They've got a lot of trail camera photos that they can just, you know, provide that and very quickly I can look at that and determine, you know, make a harvest recommendation sure. and then and they're signed up and done. Others they they're coming without any inf information and and we'll need to work on it and it might take a few weeks to get the information but that's why we have that long enrollment period so there's plenty of time to make sense through that. yeah so the nuisance tags that that other program the landowner is not allowed to keep the meat correct what about dmap yes absolutely so these are these are deer hunting permits and, and you actually have to utilize the meat just like any other Hunting Which you permits. can still donate it. Or, you can donate yeah. it or give it to friends or family. So or, is this know. antlerless only? It is, okay. yeah. So we're really focused on antlerless harvest opportunities. Um, you know, that's often the limiting factor. If you need to stabilize or reduce yeah. a deer population, you need to focus on doe harvest. So yeah. that's where we're directing the program. And, I mean, I would say if people ha feel like they have too many bucks on their property, they can contact Matt or myself. <laughs> Take care We of can help with that. We could try. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Don't know that we'd be very successful. That, that, that's what I, what I hear is you guys have trouble, trouble <laughs> killing them sometimes. Say the words out. Huh? <laughs> we have a reputation for not being good. I what think, is this? I think you joke about it a lot. <laughs> we invited know. you on this show as a guest, not a no, detractor. I, I'm oh, definitely in that, in that boat as well. So. well you've come to the right place, my friend. Deal. <laughs> I was thinking of a new slogan for our show. Other than this, not your favorite outdoor podcast. In addition to that, the struggle is the story. Uh, the struggle is yeah. real. Mm. Yeah. 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 The, the stories are the ones that, you know, d got away or are just as it entertaining as keeps the, it interesting. Yeah. Well, we got plenty yeah, of those. So. We just <laughs> keep letting these keep managing these deer to the next year. So yeah, what's the good. smallest acreage of a property that can is there is there any limitations as far as how small the property can be that gets enrolled into the DMAP program? Yes, there is. So there's there's a requirement of at least 500 acres to enroll, and so so it's a it's a fairly substantial chunk of ground that does not need to be a single landowner though it, it can be if you have if you have 500 or more you can qualify on your own. Otherwise, yeah, you're you're looking to your neighbors or other landowners around to enroll with you to meet that acreage requirement. And, and the reason for that um, is because we're really trying to set landowners up for success if they enroll. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we want them to have a meaningful impact on long-term uh, impact on that deer population. Uh, we know as, as you get to smaller acreage, there's just so many external factors that are impacting, you know, deer coming in, deer coming out, and and uh, and how, how you can make change on, on smaller acreage. So that's the reason reason for it. I yeah. assume 500 contiguous, you know, connected acres? Or? No, so, so you can again, be, man. yeah, you can be separated by up to half a mile and, and connect the dots between sweet. properties. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we, we try to keep it reasonable so folks aren't, aren't just having to, to look to neighbors, they can look a little bit further yeah. out. 
Yeah, that neighbor thing, that's interesting, though. You know, say you got a couple, you know, you got 100 acres and a couple, you know, guy next to you has got 200. And, you know, yeah. you start putting putting it together and it, it almost encourages communication exactly. amongst your neighbors mm-hmm. where it's always, that's always kind of a, a arm's length kind of thing for people. Exactly. You know, it's like, eh, it's, I don't really want them to know what's happening over on my farm. But yeah. in this program, if you want to be a part of it and you have smaller acres, you've got to get the, the you know, kind of the community <laughs> to get on board. <laughs> People yeah. trading trail cams with like a big old nanny dubby like yeah. uh, uh, Betsy was on my was on my property last night. Where is she at today, yeah, guys? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of the huge advantages, I think, um, encouraging those conversations that may not otherwise have happened. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, as a landowner, you've, you've got neighbors next door that are working toward a common deer management goal. It's not just you working on it on your own. Yeah. You know, you've got you've got help around you. So it's a pretty cool program, honestly. I mean, do you know if there's anything like it in the surrounding states or any of the other states? Do you know of any programs yeah. like this? Yeah, there are. So D- DMAP programs have been around for a long time. They started in kind of the southeastern U.S. Uh, and, and grew in popularity going back to the 1980s. Um, so we're kind of new to the scene in terms of, of DMAP. But, um, you know, our program is pretty streamlined and, and and focused on providing additional doe harvest opportunities, whereas some of these other programs that started earlier, that was the the first time when a landowner could call the agency and mm-hmm. have somebody come do a site visit and write them a management plan, uh, make recommendations on on habitat management they can be doing. Whereas we have we have that piece, uh, what we lacked was the harvest flexibility. So uh-huh. that's where we focused our program. Is there a certain buck to doe ratio that you're looking for when you're say reviewing trail camera photos for you know? The the, those that are trying to manage their whitetail herd more so than, you know, their farm, you know, their farm mm-hmm. damages. Is there a certain ratio you're looking for? So like if it's more than four to one dota buck or three to one or, you know, what, what is it that kind of says, Hey, you know what? They have too many deer. Yeah. It, it depends on the starting point. You know, if you start out at, at four to one, um, you know, that's different. I'd take a different approach than starting out two to one or something like that. I like to take baby steps with it, um, authorize enough permits that you're going to see a measurable impact by, by the next year, maybe two years later, mm-hmm. and then and then keep creeping it more even. Um, eventually, it's nice to get to around a, a two to one because that's pretty biologically where, where things would land, um, kind of in the absence of of intervention. So. I think I'm 12 to one <laughs> at uh, one of my properties. It's stupid. Yeah. And for some reason this year, I've been seeing does with two and three fawns apiece. I don't know if it was mild winter, plenty of plenty of precipitation over the springtime. Yeah. I don't know what it was. If you yeah. think about it, it really wasn't a mild winter. I mean, we got hit pretty good there in January and February. I feel like. I mean, we had a little it cold was snap. mild. It was mild through the fall, up through you know, say middle of the late December. Mm-hmm. But but January, February were pretty brutal. Really. Yeah. Yeah, I think it comes down to getting precipitation at the right time and a mild spring where there's good green up mm-hmm. for, for the mom to we be eating well. And, yeah. you know, if she's producing good milk and, and there's plenty of cover for the fawns, uh, they're going to do pretty well. So I think that's what we saw this spring. Would you ever consider trying deer milk? <laughs> yes. Oh. I, I might consider it. You know, as, as a species oh, biologist. I don't uh, think so, uh, you know, <laughs> You almost got to wonder. You hear about biologists uh you know that that studied poisonous or, or venomous 
creatures and, and like wanting to just experience you licking know, toads. Yeah, just, just learn as much about them as possible. So and psychedelic <laughs> experiences. <laughs> this sounds like an excuse. <laughs> right. So this is the, this is the driving point to get you into conservation. <laughs> He's yeah. like writing on his application. I would like to lick frogs. So you said that you you're you went to Auburn. That's right. What was the driving force? You're originally from the Kirksville area, Missouri. So what was the driving force in going into this field for you? Yeah, well, I, th I think I got, got my start much like many of us. You know, uh, uh, my dad, you know, was an avid hunter and fisherman and took me out. We, you know, my grandma and grandpa had a, a farm there in Knox County where, um, you know, I killed first my first, many firsts there sure. and uh, just developed a passion for it early on. And so going into college I, I i knew that i you know wanted to do wildlife conservation and kind of got introduced to the research side of it hmm. um there at that university there were lots of opportunities to jump in on research so i did anything from you know mist netting bats and banding bats cool. to um, crayfish to uh, snakes and and snakes hmm. and frogs and then um got on a that's like trembling right now <laughs> got on <laughs> a research project with black bears um out in out in alaska one summer um, so that opened the whole cool. whole idea of large mammal uh, research, uh, and so came back to Missouri. And after I graduated from Truman State University, uh, did a research, you know, help with a research project mm -hmm. here on black bear genetics. Uh, and then after that, did my first white-tailed deer research project out in Illinois for working for a couple of grad students there, and just you know fell in love with that. And that led to my my master's program there at Auburn University where it was dealing with whitetails as well. Nice. So, so you got a, a long, you, you look like a young enough guy, but it sounds like you got a long history of this field. Yeah, I really, you know, I had a good, good mentor in college, an, an older student who kind of took me under his wing and just really kind of told me that, you know, take advantage of every opportunity you have mm -hmm. to add a new experience to your, to your list. It, not only makes you, you know, look more appealing to the next person trying to hire, but but also broadens your, you know, your set of experiences, make you more well-rounded. So that's what I should advice. be doing. <laughs> stuck, no, you're stuck here. Stuck here. This dead Think end about job. all the things you could list on your resume. Uh, yeah. Podcast host. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Troubleshooter for DeerCast. <laughs> customer service. <laughs> <laughs> check, check, check. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. A little off subject, but you mentioned black bear research. Right now we've got, I think we're two seasons, going to be two seasons into Missouri's modern black bear hunting. Yeah. Um, uh, work and and right now currently you're not allowed to bait black bear in, in most parts of the country that's a pretty common way of hunting them do you foresee a point in the future where the department would relook at that that particular rule and maybe make a change on it yeah i don't i don't know um <clears throat> i'm not involved in in some of those conversations that may have happened I, i'd say it's not off the table mm -hmm. you know very rarely is something completely off the table but i know they wanted to to start out, you know, fairly limited opportunity, and we've got a fairly small black bear population, sure. so um, and just kind of see where it, where it went. But if, if folks aren't being successful with the methods allowed, I would say other things might be considered. It's fairly small, but man, it, it, like in the last, I'd say three years, I've seen more, especially with Facebook, you know, more people sharing, oh, black bear in the backyard, I had a trail camera, or mm -hmm. it's really kind of amazing the population is growing the way it is, yeah. um, which obviously is why the season was implemented because right. you then have to control the population somewhat. Yeah. But I know like St. Genevieve, where I'm originally from, where we're originally from, um, that I think there was like a stretch of a couple week period where 
just I think two different black bears got killed on the road, you know, hit by trucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, shit, I've never growing up, I had never heard of a black bear being in that area. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that numbers are definitely on the rise these days, and, and you're right. That's why we, you know, started the season now. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, anything more about the DMAP program that we need to cover or we haven't covered yet that to give people an idea of something, you know, that, a reason they might want to participate? Yeah, I'll, I'll just reiterate the the enrollment period that we're in. So we've got about a month left. So it's a perfect time if, if this piques your interest to reach mm-hmm. out to myself or, or, like I said, your local conservation agent or other, you know, MDC contact person and get that process started. So sure. I'd say that's... That'd be what I'd recommend. You, you mentioned 500 acres uh, for 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 most chunks of ground. Like that's the minimum size. Correct. What about suburban context? Good point. Yeah. So we did, hadn't mentioned that. So 500 acres in rural settings, but mm-hmm. if you're within the boundaries of a municipality or, or town, that's only 40 acres. Um, okay. So so we do make it something achievable for folks within city limits. Sure. So you're cool. still screwed. No, I'm good. <laughs> you're not, oh, yeah. You. yeah. Well, oh, at yes. the one property. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, of course, the co-op, you know, landowners working together, combining their property still applies within within city limits, too, to get to 40. Yeah, put together, like, so. a little patchwork. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Collaborative. So. I like it. Yeah. Well, I say we jump into the real wild clip this week. It's great having a biologist here because I'd love to get Kevin's. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he's a real scientician. Yeah, he's a real, hold, hold it. I don't know if this applies. But. This is a house of learned doctors. Yeah. More so yeah, than normal. Normal. He's one degree away from being <laughs> a doctor, so. <laughs> More than we are. I mean, <laughs> so. Yeah, maybe one day. We'll see. <laughs> All right, so what do we have this week on the Real Wild Clip of the Week? Well, you've heard of hawks, and you've heard of squirrels, right? They're two um, animals. Oh, yeah. So we're going deep here. Okay. Hawks eat squirrels. <clears throat> Did you know that? Yes. But it doesn't always go the way that the hawk plans. Sounds like we're about to watch an America's Funniest Home Video, Tim. <laughs> you won't believe it. <laughs> Cue the doorbell sounder. Here we go. Right. Roll that footage, Alan. All right. We got a hawk rolling around in a green field with a squirrel. There's and, a real ruckus here. and Yeah, it's a guy filming from a tree stand. Got a real Donnybrook down there in the food plot. And this, the hawk's looking around like, okay, I got this killed I now. Got him. This he's, even, he's even shaking his head like giggity giggity. And then for some reason, the hawk flies off and the squirrel immediately makes a beeline for the tree line. Uh, yeah. He's like, holy crap. <laughs> I, saw I my just little, let go. I saw my little life flash before my eyes. So when did he let him go here? I'm still not seeing that part. Oh, okay. Just slipped right out. <laughs> Do you see how fast that squirrel runs? It's like, holy hell, he flew away. <laughs> Kevin, Why would he fly off like that? Kevin, just a second chance. How, like, how is that hawk attempting, like, what is their typical way of killing an animal like that that they, that they hit? My guess, it's a combination of the sharp talons and, and their beak. So if, if they can dig in and, and kill them that way with their claws, which this one seems to have thought that it had done some damage already. Um, but he was probably going to fly off to a perch where it feels more secure and, the, and then Tear know, start pecking at it. Yeah. yeah when he so. was trying to fly off, he just, the grip yeah, <laughs> slipped. Yeah, that's, that's my guess. The, the squirrel twisted and, and got loose. You know, you you wonder also because sh- squirrels have really sharp and big teeth. If that squirrel got was able to reach yeah. around and bite that thing's, <laughs> may have been. You think that squirrel's like, going to buy a lottery ticket? <laughs> <laughs> I would. <laughs> he you just guys, went back to his buddies. Is like, guys, I escaped a town. You will today. not believe <laughs> what just happened. They're like, yeah, you didn't film it. <laughs> All right, it didn't happen. He's like, I swear, there was a guy in the tree. Just wait, it's going to be on the internet. I swear. 
That's, that's what the conversation I think every largemouth bass has with its buddies when it gets released back into <laughs> yeah, the water. Like, what <laughs> just happened to me? Yeah. I got the scars to prove it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like our version of an alien abduction. Yeah, just right. let nobody go. believes it. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, that's a pretty good one though. Yeah, I, th- I think that was uh, that was sent in via Deercast. Ah, the old Deercast fan share. The old escape squirrel. The old Deercast. <laughs> the old Tim. It, <laughs> everything's Timmy! old. Timmy! <laughs> Oh, we got our. <laughs> Never gets old. Not for me. <laughs> we got our buddy Tyler down in Arkansas who has this this week's question of the day. All right, the question of the day is probably brought to you by Victory Archery, the Carbon Arrow Experts. Are you shooting, Tim? Right yeah, now? Yeah, I am. You and just I'm, took a, your bow over to uh, the bow shop, didn't you? Yeah, I, I wanted to make sure that the peep was locked in, and it's not because you know. We go through a season, you're hauling up and down a tree, you're walking through brush, crossing fences, all that kind of good stuff. Talking about like string twist? String twist, and it had a little bit of mobility up and down. Mm. Not just really because what you want. It was, yeah, right. I don't need any more variables in my shooting process. Wait a process. second. Is it me or <laughs> this thing's a little different than last? So, Look so like the, that squirrel. <laughs> right. The cool thing is that Mike put a little bit of white out on the string where it should where, be. Where it overlaps. Yeah, where it overlaps the peep so that if it moves up or down at all, I can always see where it ought to go back. Smart. I, I'm, lately, I'm seeing a little bit of string twist in mine. And I'm wondering, what, what do you do to get rid of string twist? You, you might need to go back and have him take the string off and, oh, and, and put another twist in it to bring it around. Cause, cause, I mean, you Will can't, that change any of my settings? <laughs> it shouldn't. You can take your D-loop and kind of pull it back around. That's what I do every time, and it's so annoying. Because you, shouldn't ha- you shouldn't have to do it that much. Yeah. So man, you might it, need another twist. Okay, because it's, it's getting annoying. Because it, it's amazing how much that closes off your sight picture mm-hmm. when it's twisted just ever so slightly. Yeah. You're just like, holy crap. It's probably not going to get better as the season goes on. Well, great. (laughs) I I believe, you know, Matthews every year, they come out with a new bow in Uh November-ish. And we get a chance to start shooting it. You know, I I should see it this week, actually. So this will become my backup bow, I guess, the one I'm shooting right now. Mm -hmm. But I don't want it. Like, it's shooting really good. And... I don't want it to be my backup bow, so it's the bow that I got an Iowa tag this year. It's the bow that I'll probably take with me to Mark's and then just leave up there in case I got to go back and forth. Sure. And uh, I want to make sure it's 100% dialed in before I take it up there. Peep side yeah. makes a big, big difference. Yeah. I don't need any reason to screw up a hunt at Mark's place. <laughs> it was the peep, Mark. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's yeah. No problem. Right. No problem. <laughs> See you never. <laughs> it's already been 20 years. Actually, 41 if you count my entire life. Yeah, but. you can't wait till the next time. No, there will be no next time. <laughs> so. so go to the archery shop. Get your... Get your rig set up now. Yeah. The archery shops are only going to get more, oh yeah, more backed up, and you're going to wait and wait and wait. Season's getting here. When's yeah. this show air? Tomorrow? No, Wednesday. Mm. Tomorrow? Yeah, I think tomorrow. Of course, my bow's at home. I want to get out before everybody goes rushes over to Mike's, <laughs> beat the beat the crowd. <laughs> the insider, the insider, the word on the street from the insiders that are on the street hmm. that are talking words is you go early in the week when people don't have as much money. $200 is $200. You wait till Friday when people it. get their paychecks and they go to the bow shop, you're going to be waiting. The end of the huh? week? Mm-hmm. So don't so go. Mo- do most people get paid at the end of the week? Do people mm-hmm. get paid? I would like to at some point. I've been meaning to speak Talk with you about me. that. Well, mm-hmm. After the podcast. So, so okay. Check, check in. Keeps getting pushed off. <laughs> we better get to this question. All right, Tyler. All right, we got to change the topic. 
Hey, Matt and Tim. Hey, My Tyler. Name's Tyler. I'm a new bow hunter from Arkansas. All right. I love the podcast, but I got a question. What's going to be better for new bow hunters, hunting from the ground or hunting in a tree? It's awesome that Tyler is a new bow hunter. I'm I'm always fat. I wish I could ask him like what got you into bow hunting because he's yeah. sounds like an adult, and becoming a bow hunter as an adult is not an easy thing to do. I'm a man. Uh, I'm forty. I'm a grown <laughs> man. That's a the press conference from that coach. You ever heard that one? Was he the Vanderbilt coach? I forget. Ah, uh, vaguely. I'm the man. I'm forty. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you have to say that, it's we need that not, sound bite. It's probably now. not I'm, great. He's shaking his head like, yeah. <laughs> All right, so we should get to Tyler's question. I get, hey, I get back to Tyler real easily. Kevin, do you have any opinions on the ground or in a tree? You know that they obviously both have their advantages. Um, you know, I think sitting on the ground, um, it's just a simpler way to hunt. A lot of times, mm -hmm. uh, doesn't require as much gear. You know, you find you can make yourself a pretty easy, you know, ground blind out of limbs and just debris that you find around, and that can be really effective. Uh, hunting terrain especially if you can get on a elevated slope a little bit and still mm -hmm. still have kind of the the upper upper advantage to deer that are that you where you expect them to go so um might start start there just keep it simple and see yeah. how it goes i think it can be successful i think it would depend on if he has any fear of heights or not i mean you know you you know i personally would rather probably if you didn't have a fear of heights i'd probably rather start from a tree just so you get away with a little more movement. If he's a new hunter and he's not used to like understanding or knowing mm -hmm. uh, how easy it is to get caught <laughs> by a deer's right. eyes, you know, it's just like you, you don't get away with much movement on the ground and they're super edgy. You know, if you, if you don't really have all your ducks in a row and getting drawn it, now, if you're in an, in an enclosed, like pop-up blind, it's a little easier yeah. uh, and you can get away with murder as far as getting away with movement and heck, you know, you can have your kid with you and you could be doing cartwheels inside that thing and, <laughs> and probably get away with it. But, um, if you don't have that and you're, you're wanting to experience, the experience is much different from a tree versus a ground. There's no That's doubt true. about that. Like being in a tree, even, even a tree stand versus a box blind in the air, like no comparison tree stands where it's at, like seeing things around you, your vision, you know, you know, pretty much all the way around, you can tilt your head all the way around and really see what's happening in the woods. Mm -hmm. And it's just not as easy to understand what's coming in on you from the ground, what might be coming from behind you. So that, that would be the only thing that I would say as far as one versus the other, mm -hmm. if you don't have a fear of heights and you, and you have the ability to go buy a tree stand, you know, you can get some great climbers or saddles or, you know, that might be a little more technically advanced for a start than, than you want to get into for starting, yeah. you know, starting out, but the ladder stand, you know, there's a lot of things you can do. To I get mean, up it's interesting. You bring up the, the notion of a saddle, especially if you're new. I'm sure that is to you, Tim. So here's why it's a superior. <laughs> Tim's a saddle guy. Oh yeah. I've, I've killed, I've killed two bucks out of it. And so okay. I've become the expert <laughs> the default, Here in this the de facto office. expert at tree outdoors on saddle hunting. Cause no one else will do it. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's it. That's the de facto part. Um, but especially if you're new and you don't, maybe you don't have a whole lot of stand locations, a saddle would be a great way because you can easily go up and go down and, and not have to invest a whole lot in putting the ladder up and, and a hang on. It's really, it's a really great way to be able to, to get around and hunt different places and do some. I practice around. ahead of time. That's not something. You want to do in the dark it out. for the first time. I'll just figure this out on Wearing the fly. This no biggie. <laughs> Is it harder or easier to use than like a climbing stand? It's different. Okay. Um, 
Yeah. answer. It's yeah, it, it's different. You're, you're you're strapping you're strap you're strapping ladder segments or some or maybe you're using a rope ascender, which is a little different kind mm-hmm. of a setup. But it's just it's a, the nice thing is you don't have to find like with a climber stand, you're looking for a, a telephone pole style right. tree to get up into. With a, a a saddle, you can be a lot more flexible in the kinds of trees you can get up into. Okay. But back to Tyler's question, also if if he can count on a steady wind. A steady directionally stable wind um, you can get away with more on the ground if you know like I'm always gonna have a westerly wind here I can it's not gonna shift I'm not in a holler and it's swirling around and stuff you can hunt on the ground and, and I think get away with a little bit more my problem has always been like I just everywhere I hunt it seems like the winds swirl and I want to get up above them as high as I can to help kind of buffer against that so, so from that aspect, I, I like being up elevated in tree. So makes sense. Yeah, Tyler, thanks for the question. Tyler, you're gonna have to let us know how it worked out. What you end up doing? Because I'm curious. Ground air. Yeah, and then if you kill, post it up in Deercast. We'll make it a fan share. Huh. Second time and, we've uh, mentioned fan shares. Huh. It's almost like we like seeing people be successful. In the two hundred dollars is two hundred dollars. Pay Tim to say fan share. Ooh. <laughs> this is how I'd he like gets to- paid. <laughs> This life is sponsored in part by Fan Shares. Shares. <laughs> um, and then also, Tyler, get a hold of me through the Rack Pack, and we'll send you a 100% Wild podcast hat, in case you're short on hats. Uh, it won't be your favorite hat, but you will indeed tell wear you what, it. If, he's, if he works in the in- hunting industry, he's never short on hats. That's true. <laughs> I get about 50 a day here, it seems to like. To bring us an MDC hat, maybe? <sighs> Should like, have. Like one that says agent on it? Those <laughs> are pretty exclusive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't have awesome. one of those. Yeah. <laughs> I just got a vest that says it in white on the back. No biggie. There you go. <laughs> it's also in white out. <laughs> <laughs> right. That looks homemade. Huh. It's all crusty. <laughs> <laughs> Asking people where they're hunting at. Yeah. That's probably illegal. <clears throat> Okay, speaking of against the law, this week's wildlife word. It's brought to you by Tenzing Packs. Go further, hunt longer. Woo-wee. We used our Tenzing packs. this past week. We're at the lease, and we're shoving trail cameras into it and Ooh. riding our e-bike out do, to do, the do, spot. Do, do, That's, do, right. Do, 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 do. That's right. <laughs> Let's roll, Scott. What was that lady's name? Mrs. Gulch? <laughs> Something like that. From... Uh, yeah, Mrs. Gulch. That that name I never knew it my entire life, but when we start watching it with the kids, it's etched into their minds for some reason. It's like the weird things that kids pick up on. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, all the the random trivia that's up in your brain. It's replacing stuff that's really important. Yeah, all right. There's never anything important. This is going to be important. All right. So we're talking about white tails and their sleep cycles. All right. Because sometimes they got to go sleepy. They get tired. A typical sleep cycle for a whitetail lasts about how long? Is it A, 30 minutes, B, four hours? Matt's staring a hole through Kevin right now. You better know <coughs> this, oh, dude. Man. C, two hours, or D, six hours? 30 minutes, four hours, two hours, I mean, or six you hours? you very rarely ever see a whitetail sleeping. Like, you might catch one bed. Like, say you're hunting during the rut, and you see one, like, bed down, mm-hmm. you know, in the leaves next to you or something. But do you really ever see one sleeping for very long? Yeah, I, I, know, it's, I know it's not going to be some of those longer ones just because I've seen enough GPS data to know. 
mm-hmm. know they're moving pretty frequently. I, I would I would tend to go with the 30 minutes. Uh, it might get me, and it, it might be closer to the two hours, but somewhere in that range. I should have mentioned there's money at stake. Oh, boy. $200. Yes. <laughs> that you would end up owing us if you're wrong. Oh, each. We don't gift anyone. Hey, listen, you want to come into the podcast, bring cash. There's a money. price to pay. <laughs> <laughs> These sets don't make themselves. Is that what the ATM's for? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I should have mentioned, Kevin. It's like you're this, at the bar. This appearance will cost you dearly in terms of reputation and monetarily. No, no. You wait till they are about to leave. Then you say, hey, where's your money at? <laughs> you get a pay to be on this. I know this may not sound classy. This, this but would, uh, it would make like all those conspiracy theory guys about the MDC would be like, I knew it. <laughs> They're on and, the tape. And the DMAP program is all about the insurance companies. Right. Yeah, heard that. Of course uh, you know. That's we're bought and paid. Go to any like Facebook group page or like the old chat sites. It's always about a mystic insurance <laughs> company paying off the, <laughs> the conservation department. Yeah. yeah. You can uh, say anything you want anymore and it gains traction. Well, yeah. You're, you have a prosthetic beard. You're beautiful. <laughs> well, prefer to get any compliments. It's <laughs> all what fake. What about me? Uh, you got you. <laughs> all right. I'm going with A, 30 minutes of sleep. Okay. Going with a biologist. Well, he said A or D, and that's what I would have went with I would, A or yeah, D. Yeah, I would go with yeah, I'm going to go minutes. with A because I've never seen one sleep for more than 30 minutes. There you go. That's it. Ah, yeah. Right. Yeah. They, they Sounds they, like Terry. And, and during these, and during, so, so that's a cycle. During that 30 minutes, it's, they're vacillating between actually sleeping and being in a relatively alert state. Like they'll put their head down. They may sleep for 30 seconds to two minutes and then pick their head up in an alert state, kind of look around. Their ears are still going and then they'll put their head back down and they'll sleep again for another 30 seconds to a two. This minutes. is literally how Terry sleeps. <laughs> wow. He's been with the whitetails too I, I long. I swear to you, this is how the guy sleeps. Uh-huh. We've got hours of footage of it. To prove it. <laughs> and he hears like a little Debbie Rapper, oh, yeah, you hear the, little, the, the little Debbie's like an alarm clock. <laughs> Time to feed. That's right. So, yeah, they are always uh, always scanning mm-hmm. with All their right. head on a swivel. Good. You almost sounded like a deer biologist here. Hey, I'm a minor in zoo. <laughs> you got to know a thing or two to... To have hunted them for that long. I almost so. last last week we had Doctor Bronson Strickland and I almost yeah. said like I'll have you know, sir, I have an undergraduate, I have a I have a minor in my undergraduate degree in zoology, so watch your step. Yeah, just to keep him on because I'm sure he would have been impressed by yeah. that. Pretty Who would be? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't think anybody's impressed by us, Tim. Oh. We better move along to the shot. I'll stay out of it. Kevin's like, oh, I'm not impressed here. I want to get the hell out of here. He's like, you guys have a show. I can't show this to anybody. <laughs> okay, we got shout outs. Uh, we got our buddy Isaiah459 on uh, Apple. He gave us a five-star review. Said, awesome podcast. Informative, funny, f- funny sounds like people you'd actually have fun hanging out with. Unlike some other podcast, hmm. <laughs> I like him to name names. Yeah. As I read, is he that, talking like, about like people we know? Is he like <laughs> he's throwing some other podcast under the bus? Wonder yeah. if they air on uh, Deercast. I don't know, but <laughs> little Curtis, I, I, Isaiah's got an axe to grind against Apparently. someone. Well, um, I'm glad we brought the heat with uh, funny. Great, I would say we're much less impressive in person. As <clears throat> Kevin is. Quickly learn. Uh, I'm having it. a good time. Yeah. That's okay. Right. That's all we're good for. <laughs> <laughs> we're here for a good time. Yeah. All right. So when when he, he okay he told me that you were coming in he sent me a Slack message and he had your name typed out 
And we do this section where we welcome new Rack Pack members. And so the Rack Pack is like this private Facebook group that we have for the okay. people who listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. And you gotta you gotta join it. And <clears throat> so then every week Tim puts down a list of names of people who joined. Every week I read these names and just totally butcher them. And every week there's a fake name in oh. the midst. When I saw your name, I thought I would butcher it, and it could be the fake. Yeah, name. I could see that. Yeah. It could be both of these. I yeah. saw it. And I was like, "Why don't you get an American name? You're in the USA." It's from Chelswick here. <laughs> Have yeah, you seen exactly. his last name? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's a commie. <laughs> I live in a glass house. I'm okay with that. All right. So the new Rack Pack members this week: Matthew Boroa. That's exactly how he pronounces that. He goes to my church. I'm Matthew Boroa. Be a jerk about it. <laughs> Dalton Michael. Okay, so just what was it yesterday or this morning? He put, Tim put a bunch of the new names and like welcoming the new members. And I, nice. I wrote in there, I was like, man, there's a bunch of names here I could screw up. And then, of course, everybody's like, man, Matt would screw up all these names. <laughs> okay, we got Dalton nice. Michael, Matt Legler, Eric, um, <laughs> Tim <laughs> Mirsich. It looks like Mirsich or maybe Mirsik. Okay, Matthew Caesar. Dakota Butler, Brian Fellow, Drew Eddy, Martin Evans, Bronson Strickland, who we just had on the podcast. He's now oh, Do we have back-to-back -back episodes where we have, like, actual learned people on this? Well, the last episode was, <laughs> a fan, was a fan share. Uh, no. It didn't go up, though, did it? It will once this uh, one goes up. Okay. Yeah. So, wait. So, this one goes up at the end of the week? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, what's the fake name here? Hmm. You want to take a look there, Matthew Kevin? Caesar, Dakota Butler, Brian Fellow. <laughs> Tim's got a serious look on his face. Well, I know it's That's not the Bronson, only look I have because we just interviewed. <laughs> it can't be that guy. He's legit. And you said that first guy goes to your church. Mm -hmm. Matt Legler. Matt Legler. Matt so what Legler. you got to do here? Is there usually a hidden? Yeah. Something like hidden. Bart next Simpson. Like Seymour Butts. <laughs> so. Gotcha. Uh, I'm out or of sometimes ideas. Sometimes they're references. Matthew Caesar. <laughs> I don't no. know, Tim. I'm out of it. Do you ever watch the SNL skit with Tracy Morgan when he plays the wildlife biologist? Brian Fellow, Safari Planet. Brian ah. Fellow, Safari Planet. Yeah. Okay. That was a stretch. <laughs> and thing. he's just belligerent to the animals. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how That's... you do your deal? <laughs> just go out there and you're belligerent to all the animals. Yeah. That groundhog looked at me funny. <laughs> I don't like that groundhog. <laughs> All right, so the fake name is Brian, Brian Fellow. Fellow. Huh. Yep. Man, if you start putting in like references to Saturday Night Live and pop culture, like I'm mm -hmm. never gonna pick out these fake names. Be over my head. Over mine as well. Okay. Maybe more Star Trek. <laughs> Dumbledore Calrissian. <clears throat> I would get Calrissian. Okay. Not Dumbledore. Star Wars fan. D Dumbledore, I get that one. Harry Potter. I can put two and two Dork together. Vader. I have kids. <laughs> Dork Vader, I got that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I think that's about all we have for this week. <clears throat> are you regretting that you came on, or are you happy that you came on? I'm oh, super happy. Oh, well. I'm glad you didn't have to make a special trip over Low for standards. this. Low standards. Yeah, I was in the, the neighborhood. It worked out good. Yeah, yeah. perfect. So. Yeah, you said that you were in town for, for work and uh, that... And we usually shoot these on Tuesdays. It's like he could drive back. I'm like, that seems like a, 
a gross not <laughs> worth it <laughs> like disservice to his time <laughs> let's try to get him while he's in town yes yeah i appreciate you making it work sure yeah. Yeah. now sure. that i know you though next time i'll try to make it an extra trip for you <laughs> that's fine I'll, I'll still drive over it was that much fun no we appreciate you coming in and that the dmap program pretty neat uh hopefully this will help get the word out for you know those interested and you know those that uh, don't qualify start talking to your landowners around you and maybe put a little group together and yeah there's still about a month left of enrollment, right. so you can still affect it for this season, which That's is right. huge. Yeah. So yeah. clear some of them does out of there. That's right. They gotta go. Okay. If you're a doe, you gotta go. Whoa. Did you make <laughs> that up? Yeah, I just did. Man. Usually I'm not that quick witted. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> had, had a lot of sleep a whole six hours last <laughs> night. <laughs> All right, well, let's shut her down. Kevin, All thanks right. for hopping on, buddy. Thanks. Appreciate it. We appreciate it. Till next time. Peace out. DeerCast is now supercharged with maps. Get ahead of your game with killer new features like live Doppler radar, wind check out to five days, virtual rain gauges, GPS path tracking, and more. Plus, get our 14-day revolutionary DeerCast prediction and access to DeerCast track. Prep, predict, and pursue with DeerCast. DeerCast.